KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company. Schleider Painting, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. And good Saturday, good morning, good grief. It's springtime, weather is upon us, sunshine. Newsflash, that burning yellow thing in the sky. We've seen it occasionally here just recently. It is the sun. It is spring. We are in the Midwest. Staying home, outdoor opportunity for you and I. Maybe a little bit honeydew list around the house. And lunch with all of our family members. Over and over and over again. 314-436-7900 is the phone number that puts us together for a little family therapy and home improvement, perhaps. So, well, we can escape a little through the miracle of X, the community of the Midwest and the six-state area of X. You are part of the family. If you're listening or can hear me, you are part of the X family and the listening audience, the family and the Midwest, and the culture of why we gather through the radio waves. Phone lines right here for you. Ten of them right open talking about what's important to you. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900 right there. You know, and for those of you that remember, dial the phone. For those of you perhaps owning your first home, Punch it in there. Digitally connect us, 314-436-7900. And sooner or later, the next generation and the generation out of that, call 314-436-7900. An audio command will put us together. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Think about it. We had a, you know, before we had a dial phone and we had the mouthpiece, you know, and the separate thing, the handpiece that we, then we went on to the magic of Ma Bell uh, right here, Western Electric in the St. Louis area for decades, building phone sets, dial was, then, oh, alas, digital push buttons, dee, 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 dee. now we don't even have mechanical things to push, it's just a keypad that makes connection through some sort of a touchpad screen, next is audio, what's after that, how will it affect home improvement? How will it interact with how we live? How will it tell us about our health, our pulse, our blood pressure, maybe our blood sugar? Oh, yeah. Think about all that because Apple phone is already deep into all of this. Appliances are already, that ship sailed. We have complete interactive Wi-Fi connectivity between the manufacturers, the food packagers, the barcodes, the phone scanners, the purchasing, as well as the awareness of scanning it and a refrigerator sensing what goes into the refrigerator and knowing, Susan, would you like spaghetti and meatballs tonight? Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, Scott Mosby here. I'm uh, uh, imagining the future a little bit, but not because, you know, I've, I've got the luxury of traveling around and shaking every doggone tree around the country, sometimes the world, to see who's working on what 
in my little puddle, the puddle being home improvements, um, design build, architecture, style, interaction, lighting, voice controls, home automation, safety, security, fire control, all those things flying around in my little wheelhouse. And I grant you, that's a lot of stuff going on in one little head, so I'm going to need your help. Help me, call me, save me, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. And uh, I am very pleased to be here with you. Uh, You can reach us uh, through radio.com, R-A-D-I-O. Dot com. That's an app, short for application, basically puts us together wherever you want to go. We can be in your car. We can be on your phone. We can be on your laptop, iPad, uh, smart device, whatever you want. Your headphones, interactive Wi-Fi connectivity, good, bad, or ugly, is the shape of the world coming. And that phone number for anywhere on the globe, 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120. Well, everybody lives somewhere, so the low-tech reality of today is you may have a little bit of wind blowing through your house wall. Like it may be called a window, it might be called a door, it might be the threshold, the weather stripping, maybe a little bit around those window edges or perhaps a banjo, you know, that stuff where the house sits on top of the foundation, where the concrete guys that built the foundation started putting wood up and putting it above ground for that, well... Every connected piece of building material is an opportunity for an air leak, an opportunity for a temperature, a thermal break, some choice for Mother Nature, chance to get inside the house, wreak havoc. We're kind of past, for those of you that went through the winter, it was a fairly mild winter all in all temperature-wise, so we had some freezing temperatures, but the last two before had a lot of freezing pipes. Those of you that have had freezing pipes, we can talk about that and how you can prevent that in the future. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Now that you're spending time at home, what does it look like? How does it live? (laughs) Yeah, yes. Uh, Absence makes the heart grow fonder. So while we were out doing our hubbub workaday life, all of a sudden we're now home and here we are. Is it what you thought it was? We can talk about that and more. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, the honeydew list, mine gets longer and then shorter and longer and shorter and longer and shorter. I'd rather talk to you about your list. I need escape from my own. I've got a stack of tools and materials and things that I'm working on. Probably take me till somewhere around 2022. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you can't tell, I am really glad to be here with you. This is the connectivity of KMWX. Let's get together. Give me a call, and let's see what's happened. A little family therapy around fixing stuff in our home. The agenda for the next two hours, we have no guests, so this is all you, all you, mano a mano, uh, 314-436-7900, and we can talk about your topic furnace heating and cooling we're heading into the air conditioning system filters uh, things around the house after you get the leaves blown around and and really collected around the house please check out that air conditioning condenser all that stuff on the outside inspect the roof i'll get into that in a little bit how to go on and and do a general checkup of your home right here on kmox Uh, scott mosby at your service Uh, i own and operate mosby building arts one of the joys of my life a 
raising children and growing a family around me of people that love the stuff that I love, uh, including you. You are part of that family. I am certainly, hopefully, part of your family here from KMOX. Let's talk about making our lives better, making our houses just a little bit better. And with these temperatures, this sunshine, comes the opportunity to get her done. Get her done. You bet. If you know that comedian, get her done. We can do that here in the Midwest. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Throughout the week, you can contact uh, my hut, my business, Mosby Building Arts, 314-909-1800, or just call Mosby, and it's spelled without an E. M-O-S-B-Y. Mosby. So you're welcome. We are working, uh, albeit much more diligently and focused, if you will, because of the, you know, we basically go to work looking like medical care workers. Yeah, healthcare, because we've got our little, you know, protection, our, our masks, our gloves, social distancing. We now drive to work separately in separate vehicles. Uh, so anyway, uh, it's kind of interesting. We talk about that and more. Let's get together. 314-436-7900. Toll-free 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I'm totally joyed to be with you this morning. Give me a call. Let's talk here on X. Now back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Oh, yeah, Scott Mosby here. Very grateful. Uh, one big one to my producer, Alex Muskoff, here in the Camwex studio. And Alex is frontline. He's got my back. He is real live conversation. I see a human being that I'm not married to. Yeah, Alex and I had a great interaction. Hey, we're, we have a little bit of the shut-in anxiety stuff, so we're, you know, can't really high-five, but all that. Uh, anyway, thank you to you, Alex. You're uh, keeping the wheels turning and the lights on and the phone's answered and all of that for me, so I get to focus on you, the X listener. Let's fire up, get the wheels going, and start with my friend Alice. Alice, good morning. Welcome to X. I'm so glad to see you. Welcome and good morning. Thank you for answering my call here. Yeah. Now, two questions. The first one, the fireplace. Yeah. The house is 40 years plus. Mm-hmm. You know, the original vent there you closed, the old iron one. Yep. Damn. All right. Then we had another one put in, the, uh, the steel. Right. They put that in there, steel. Now, okay. Which I had originally, I had a draft. I thought the second would would close it up. I wouldn't have no air. So I got air coming in. At, you know, of course it's windy, but when it's sure. not windy, I have air coming in. Right. I got a trash bag up there. I got a huge pitcher up there to try to vent, close it. Would new glass doors solve my problem? Uh, no, they'd actually make them worse. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> what, what do I Here's, do now? Well, I'll tell you what. I would guess that you have, uh, do you have a forced air heating and cooling? You know, it blows air out on the warm? Yes, yes. Okay. There's an imbalance. There's a motor-driven cause of your fireplace leaking and your windows and your doors and every little nook and cranny around your home. So if your fireplace is backdrafting and you're smelling that damp stuff and seeing, you know, the sheets moving and all of that, uh, that is sometimes an imbalance in the heating and cooling. 45 years old, I probably built hundreds of these the wrong way. We underserved the return air. So as you and I exhale, 
we go through our mouth, our lungs, our, you know, our breathing windpipe, and then we inhale through the same thing. Imagine if inhaling was only half as big as where we exhale. That's the problem with the house. So when the furnace comes on or the air conditioning or just the blower motor, it sucks through the return air, creating a negative pressure. It doesn't get a whole lot there, so it's working pretty hard to inhale. And then on the outflow, that big chunk of ductwork, all the registers throughout the house, it's blowing out there. So it's trying to make up the difference. Mother Nature is trying to equalize all imbalances, and pressure in your home is the one. So it's sucking the air down the chimney. It's sucking the air through your windows and doors, around your door, uh, through the band joist, every little outlet that isn't quite sealed right. There, you know. So there's the bad news. Uh, the good news is, if you remember, uh, basically, the smell, I get a lot of these fireplace questions, you know, it smells musty, dank, like, you know, wet um, smoke. Uh, well, it, it, a damper won't do it because you can't seal that fire grade opening, steel to steel, even with a high temperature gasket on it, uh, to overcome the imbalance of your blower motor on that furnace. Stuff a good old blanket up there, but put a note inside the firebox. Remove blanket before igniting. Right. Uh, you know, we had the furnace and air conditioner replaced about four years ago. Yep. But what we did wrong, it was a friend of a friend of a friend. Well, it's not in the unit. It's in the ductwork. It's built into the infrastructure of the house. If you get a Ferrari high-performance race car furnace, it won't fix it. That just that's a great thing, but the windpipe in your house, which is built inside the walls, are not big enough. So stuff something in there, huh? Yeah, that's the low tech way. I mean, you know, grandma two hundred years ago was doing the same thing. I guess we're back there again. The the point is that through all this energy improvement, um, healthy house, indoor air quality, all that stuff. Beth is downstairs taking phone calls. That's us trying to figure it out there, uh, Alice as well, trying to. You know, how do we keep the drafts and the smells from coming in? But that's kind of the low-tech way. Okay, the second question is a quick, quick one. Yeah. Um, the house, of course, was already wired for a washer and dryer in the bedroom. Okay. And we got to have it rewired. The, the inspection said have it rewired. Okay, that's fine. you got to uh -huh. expect to do a few things. Now, is there a word now? It's close. The washer and dryer hookups are close to the bedroom window. Is mm -hmm. that a bad thing, being close to the bedroom windows? Uh, not really, actually, because <laughs> here you go again. Uh, your dryer is a mini furnace, and okay. it has no intake. It just has an exhaust. So wherever you run that clothes dryer, it is exhausting air out through the hole in your house called the vent, you know, the little register with the flapper backdraft damper thing on it. It has no intake. So if you open the window and turn on your dryer, your clothes will dry in about a third less time because that dryer is able to inhale very easily. Now, when you have your house all closed up in the winter, it's trying to get the air down your chimney, around your windows and doors, and the banjo, all that stuff. So your clothes dryer is the same culprit as your underserved heating and cooling unit. How's that for a handful? Okay. <laughs> so it's a good thing. So, uh, but uh, now, uh, and and vent fans. You go in the bathroom, going to use the facility, flip on the vent fan. There you go. Air out, no air in. 
right, draws right. a vacuum on the home. How about your vent when you're cooking, frying onions in the kitchen? Turn on that blast furnace thing, and out goes the air, no intake. So this is where a lot of the leaks happen, and it's called you know pressure imbalance. So our homes are just built that way. And you know, frankly, in my world, when we put in some of these big commercial cooktops, uh, you know, you spend five thousand on the cooktop, and and then you get into this five thousand dollar vent hood. Oh, by the way, you need another seven thousand dollars to get the makeup air done right. Oh, get out of here, you crook! You get out of my wallet. Well, that's the conversation because if you really understand this stuff, you're now accountable for those behaviors. So. Yeah, uh, putting your washer dryer, your dryer close to a window, open it up in your bedroom. That air will go right through the window, into the dryer, and right back out the house. That's a good and thing. It, and in the wintertime, it's fine, keeping the windows all closed. Yeah, well, you can open it up, too. It's not really going to blow around too much in the house because that exhausted unit, that dryer right there, is going to overpower any other kind of movement of that air. You see what I mean? Well, I got a vent for the dryer to, to go out. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. It goes right through the wall of the house. The reality is, where does that air come from that you're throwing away through that wall? Yeah, yeah. There you go. I got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you much. Okay, Alice, uh, you'll be able to noodle this out with that kind of information and awareness, and that's really it. I don't really tell people answers sometimes. I just give them the uh, logic of how, why, and what's going on that you can figure it out. Yeah, I'm going to sit down and read process my brain <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah thank you much you may thank be you. two cups of coffee thanks yeah, alice thank you bye now home improvement there we go a little bit of time there's something that can you tell i love it uh yeah house pressures house of pressures um i i do things at home shows i speak around a lot uh, nationally as well as locally that's one of my favorites the problem is i'm really excited about it and most people just <sighs> They just don't get into it quite the same way. Well, simple pleasures for simple minds. So I'm pretty simple. I like pressures. Let's see what's cooking with my buddy Mark. Hey, Mark, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. How can I help you, Mon Frere? Hey, Scott. How's it going? Fantabulous, brother. How are you? I'm doing great. Scott, um, my home, it's a ranch-style home with a walkout uh, basement. And uh, over the top of the walkout, we have our deck, which is it's large. It's 12 by 27. Nice. And the house is uh, 27 year or 20 years old. We're having the deck torn down and replaced and rebuilt. Mm-hmm. So, what things should I? What questions should I be asking the builder? What things should I be demanding about the deck? We're going to do composite with the aluminum rails and make it as maintenance free as possible. We're 60 years old. Okay, perfect. I love where you're going. Um, talk. Most decks fail because of the footings. So if you have a permit for this deck, generally the permits, the foundation, the concrete, underground, all gets done correctly, and there's oversight. So make sure you get plans, permits, and inspections, number one. And number two, decks fail because they fall off the side of the house, not because they were improperly connected, but because they didn't use flashing to keep the water from getting to those steel 
uh, threaded fasteners, whether they're approved screws or through bolts or bolts nuts. I mean, the thing is, so make sure the connection to the house uh, is really, really done right. And that means when you're downstairs after the deck is built, um, you will not see water coming over that board nailed or connected to the side of your house. The water will come outside of that. And what you have to do is remove the siding. Um, brick is a little more difficult, but you've got to flash it to where, uh, you know, you flash behind that ledger or the board that goes on to the house so that you keep any water that does get back there from soaking in and rotting the wood structure, which is really bad stuff. And then you put a counter flashing, another peep piece on top of that that tucks up you know 10 or 20 inches up under the siding behind all that so any water that comes down behind the siding siding is cladding it's nothing more than a raincoat it's not waterproof it just sheds water and gets behind the side so that water comes outside and away from those fasteners as well so permits number one uh ledger connection number two and number three is pick your contractor by somebody who leads you to that instead of follows you to that yeah um where it was failing as you said was at the footing and uh i was getting some water leaking into the basement we have a drop ceiling mm -hmm. you could see water coming in yeah. and helitech came out and showed me for $25 how I could uh, flash just that section of it yeah. where it was leaking and get that taken care of. But, uh, you know, the deck's 20 years old, and cosmetically it looks pretty good, but structurally it's starting to fail in the footings. So uh, I think it's time to take care of the structure first and get all that taken care of. We did get permits and everything, nice. and the, the builder is uh, adamant about doing everything to code and he's got a good reputation good so. well ask him about that ledger and how they're going to keep the water and flash that ledger and that'll be the third one because it, it, it if they explain to you and especially the guy assembling the deck how he's going to go about do that or she's going to go about doing that that's when you know and and you know that's where the peace of mind sleep at night stuff comes from and and frankly you know protects the money investment you put into that big thing yeah, it's got to last. <laughs> this yeah, is the right. last one I'm putting on it. It's 60 years old. Well, if you do it right, it will last you and me. So, you know, that's that's the payoff. How many Are times you, you want to buy on this deck? composite deck? Yeah, I'm okay with the composites, but I'm more into the structure because even the composites, you know, they're kind of plastic and rubberish, you know, so we don't know how the heat, the sun, and all this is going to last for 20 years. Some of this stuff is um, kind of invented five, seven years ago, so we think it's going to work. But if you get the structure right, the ledger, the treated frame, all that floor joist, uh, you've got good railings and all, then even if the decking goes bad in 20 years, it's just decking. You're not rebuilding. You're just reskinning. All right. How do you feel about uh, the ceilings underneath the deck? I know uh, that creates a moisture problem. I'm okay with those. Uh, don't believe they are perfect. Um, there are problems. Uh, I like those. The uh, they keep the water out. I think it's a great return on investment. You already bought the structure, so I love that. When you put a ceiling fan or a ceiling light in, you're poking a hole in that roof because it really is an underside roof to shed water from below that deck. So if you're asking for that, you're asking for that system to be breached, you know, and it's basically a hole in the bottom of the boat and water will come in. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying go in with your eyes wide open instead of your eyes wide shut. 
shut that, you know, if I want the benefits of that ceiling fan, those lights, whatever it is, 365 a year, they're going to be three or four days when I get wet. Correct. Yep. Okay, well, thank you. Okay, Mark, good questions. Thanks. And, uh, boy, howdy, are you going into the deck season? I hope you get this soon. We, it's It's time. All right. Thanks for calling KMOX. Uh, Good questions here. We got started on a couple of um, two of my favorites, you know, God help me, if you will. Um, You know, fireplace imbalances in homes in terms of pressures and air and leaks and and drafts and such. And the second one, water management flashing and how that either protects our investment or assaults and erodes our investment 314-436-7900-800-925-1120 this is scott mosby on KMOX. welcome aboard i'm so glad to be with you this lovely saturday morning on KMOX. now back to the helitech waterproofing home improvement show sponsored in part by schleter painting and home improvement company on st louis's news radio kmox All right, back together, home improvement. Uh, One of the cool articles I read actually just yesterday is about women in construction. It's specifically women at Mosby Building Arts, uh, my hometown, my business. These are two of my favorite people, frankly, uh, Tina Reese and Jill Huckleberry. Uh, Anyway, so it's Meet Mosby's Women in Construction. This is just a couple. The couple in our production team uh, actually are uh, second in charge. uh, Pretty top job, uh, Tina Reese. Pretty much the head cook and bottle washer, uh, mostly for operational. Jill Huckleberry, who's been with us more than, I think, 16, 17 years and Man, she's a cracker. Anyway, it's really good reading. So meet women, Mosby's Women in Construction. It's part of the WIC Women in Construction. It's kind of a national group. Been going on for like three, four decades trying to get women into construction. Pretty much uh, compare notes to uh, really overcome the prejudice in all of that industry, which is mine and ours, and, you know, overcoming uh, you know, basically things that I'm part of. So although I don't condone this, you know, 40 years ago, golly, you know. Anyway, Women Run Mosby, and it's an interesting read about two of the people that are really accomplished I'm very impressed with. So uh, call Mosby. You can check that out, C-A-L-L-Mosby.com. Call Mosby.com is our website. And then check out right there. It'll be blog, B-O-L-G, one of the top thing in the blue bar. It's really, really a good read about two people. And, uh, you know, they say it like it is. Uh, 314-436-7900, 1120 Let's see what's cooking with one of my favorite ladies, Avery. Hey, Avery, Scott Mosby, good morning. How can I help? Not a lady. Not a lady? All right. <laughs> Would you like to be? I think that can be arranged nowadays. That's not, you know. Well, I've had my name longer than a lot of the uh, ladies. <laughs> oh, how can I help you, my friend? Well, uh, Scott, I was wondering if you've had any experience. I have uh, a 70-year-old ranch house, mm-hmm. and... Uh, by the, the front door, there's indents so that the, there's no sidelights there, but it's all wood. Uh-huh. And many coats of paint, and, and the house faces east, so we're getting that morning sun. Yeah. I was wondering what your experience is with these sidelights that you could replace the wood with, and um, they come in various widths. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could discuss that. 
Um, I love uh, the artificial side lights. They come in steel insulate. Basically, it's a sandwich piece of uh, foam, steel on the inside or the outside. Now we have fiberglass on that instead of the steel. Uh, these are built like walk-in coolers. They're like your steel front door, your fire uh, fiberglass front door, artificial composite materials. So they're very energy efficient in those panels. So I like I like that they can be replaced. Um, and on side lights, it's not a big deal. The issue that we face as professionals is people who want to put a storm window or storm door over that. Um, when you get east-facing morning sun or especially west-facing afternoon sun directly coming through, those units are so highly insulated that if you have, say, a storm door with full glass over the front of one of those panels, your a doorknob can hit 240 degrees and literally damage your hand when you grab it because it becomes a big solar collector. That's how well, energy efficient. The only storm door is over the front door. These well, are- yeah. It, what we wind up doing, frankly, is by the time you go through the dollars and cents to replace the side lights, most of the leaks uh, energy efficiency uh, comes around how in a, the peripheral of the door unit itself, including the skylights. So by the time you go through and you buy a third of a door by replacing the two skylights, then the conversation turns to, well, do you want a whole new door? And that's, you know, just my point is, is if beware these highly insulated door and side light units, because they are, and you then have to vent your storm door letting air come in low and high so you don't uh cook and heat gain those um doorknobs to a really uh, perilous hazard you know what i mean excuse me so you're saying by the time you're through replacing just the side lights you're almost uh, buying a new door well, not quite, but it's enough to yeah. realize, you know, if you were going to spend, you know, that much on replace the labor out, the labor in, the side lights, and then finishing, painting, whatever, it's like, my gosh, you're a third of the way to a new door. So uh, if that is not discussed, then that's a disservice. Most people see it as, well, you're just trying to sell me up. It's like, well, you know, if you're taking a 50-year-old car and you're going to put a new engine in it, it's not really a new car. It's just a new engine. So that will become part of your conversation, I believe. But uh, let me ask you a question. If I were to replace it, now that door is a a solid three-inch door. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been... (laughs) there for many years, and it served me well. Uh, my question is, if I were to go to a whole unit, including the side lights, and today a lot of it comes in, what, fiberglass? Yeah, fiberglass, um, steel, everything. Yeah, but when you've got that much heat in the summer, is that going to be a problem with swelling and contraction? No, uh, that's the advantage of these artificial units. They don't swell and contract, but they do heat up. So, and a wood door is also part of this conversation. If you want a storm door on the front, you may be better off leaving the wood door. Let me ask you this here. Avery, do you have an archtop door or anything highly customized about that? No, it's a, a straight across. Okay, then that, that's a fairly economical door to replace. It's the archtop, round top doors that are just, you know, custom made and loved and petted and kissed during their <laughs> construction. All of that. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I was still getting back to the fact that if I kept the door, mm-hmm. 
uh, I still have the side light problem. Yes. And the yes. problem is with the side lights is that, well, number one, they're all enclosed, so it doesn't let any light in. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of paint uh, on those, and, and it's showing its age. So, I mean, uh, what would you do? <laughs> Well, I, I think you're going about it the right way. I would look into replacing those side lights, but I would also want a quote on how much does it cost to replace that door because you're still working, you know, with a door that is, you know, 70 years old. And, yeah. you know, I don't know about your knees and your ankles and your hips, but, you know, those are the parts and the joints, the hinges, and those are the moving things. And the weather strip 70 years ago wasn't near what you can get today on the energy efficiency around the door itself. So uh, I think the best conversation is discuss both of those, a new door, you know, door unit with new side lights and all that comes with it. And they're available pre-finished as well when you get into the composites and the steel right. and the various things. Um, and then don't rule out wood. Wood wood is beautiful, but most wood doors have a front porch or some weather covering over them. Yeah. Well, all this has is a, a storm door. Yeah. And uh, if I don't change to the screen in the summer, then it's a hard a door to close. Yeah, well, it does swell. Wood, you know, it gets a different size. It literally gets bigger because of the humidity we have. It doesn't dry out and shrink because it's dry. It gets wet and swells, and that's why your, you know, your door gets hard to operate in the summer. Right, right. And that all goes away with a new door. That's kind of where I'm going is you get a composite door. They don't swell. They, you know, they get hot, but they don't swell. That's interesting. Well, thank you for the advice, and we'll go from there. Okay, Avery, good talking to you then. Good talking to you, Scott. All righty, bye-bye. Bye now. Home, home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We've had some really good calls. Uh, I love these composite products, discussions about doors and side lights. Uh, and keep in mind that, frankly, at Mosby, and this is one of the voices that I continually keep, is remember to follow the why. Why is Avery changing his door? Why? What is the ultimate goal? Make sure you don't just do the side lights because that's what the client is asking for. Talk about what they're trying to achieve. Well, I want more energy um, and I want all the paint to go away. I want a good... Well, great. Then make sure they say that you know that you explore new door new a whole new unit uh granted it's more money but the issue is what if you spend you know a third of that new door and you don't achieve the why have we served have we delivered have we achieved you know and it's all about delivering value that's what our company does uh okay home improvement scott mosby camo x we're gonna take a short pause and come back for more on university of camo x now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, sponsored in part by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. All right, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, uh, broadcasting here from beautiful downtown St. Louis to all points in between. Thanks for being part of the Camelx family and participating. Uh, some of the jokes going around, you get these things, you know, well, there's a lot of time, you know, Alex, my producer and I were just joking. It's like, well, what are you doing today? Nothing. What, what are your plans for tomorrow? Nothing. What are you doing next? Nothing. 
So we're getting a little stir-crazy here. Uh, uh, so anyway, with that and more, uh, a lot of surfing. Can you imagine that the Internet, for the most part, is up and running all the time? Do you believe that? Holy smokes. I mean, think about the last 10 years of how many devices have been added to that thing, and then now we've got appliances that are being added to that thing, then home automation systems, complete multi-story skyscraper systems being added added and interacted to that thing and being protected from that thing as well. Now we have security issues. You and I are going through all of that. Please, please, from the voice of the Better Business Bureau, beware the scams. Beware the scams. If somebody comes to you and says you've been tested positive, whether a text, email, phone call, whatever, check it out. Don't trust anything like that because uh, if it requires you to hit a link or requires you to go visit a something or requires you to pay anybody you never transacted with before, check them out. The good ones will appreciate it and the bad ones will flee. Any questions, you can call 911 about uh, any inter- any intruders or people at your door. So keep in mind, KMOX, Scott Mosby, we'll be back for hour two. KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Schleider Painting and Home Improvement Company. Schleider Painting, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. All right, hour two, lunchtime, KMOX Home Improvement. One more hour. It's all about you. Phone calls abound. We're going to get up and running pretty soon. My name is Scott Mosby. I own and operate Mosby Building Arts. I don't know. I've been on here 23, 24 years. I love this. Uh, in this whole um, really uh, stay-at-home time, I'm really glad to be here. Oh, oh my gosh, it's so nice to see you or hear you or talk with you and the miracle of modern radio, I love it. This is really a special format for me. Um, it, it is... Um, Uh, mentally stimulating, which is uh, very nice. We're still kind of working, so I have my responsibilities throughout the week. Most of that is remote, so it's uh, virtual meetings, phone calls, such like that. Uh, Let's get back to our phone lines here. We've got some phone lines open, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I am thrilled to be here. Uh, I invite you to the Call Mosby website, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com. Call Mosby website. Uh, we had a phone call uh, about uh, actually started off Alice about her fireplace leaking and how to keep it from leaking. How and the blog is how efficient is your home and it really speaks to attic insulation, air sealing, uh, how that works, the part that windows and doors play in all of that, and you know it, it, all those things that matter. So really, when you're going to replace. Those pieces, uh, siding, windows, doors, uh, number one, I advocate that you do it all at one time because it allows that air infiltration, what you and I know is air leaks, to be addressed, uh, proper flashing for water. Uh, when you do them one at a time, you're kind of hunting and pecking and you can't really fix the outside surface or the cladding system, the whole exterior of your home. Uh, but when you put them all together, you can really get it done right uh, And when you go to insulate your attic, think about air sealing because having the best insulation installed in your attic or having is akin to having a big 
parka, a wonderful coat made by NASA that will insulate anything. But if you have a big air leak in it, it doesn't matter how good the insulation is. The old cold air just whistles right through it. And so air sealing is so very important. And then when you cut off fresh air supply, you now have to be careful that the carbon monoxide, any gas appliances, uh, you know, things with your furnace, your water heater, um, uh, a gas dryer, anything like that, you need to make sure those things are gospel good too because they need to be operating correctly lest you're spilling that carbon monoxide. Some of these old nasty air leaks that we talk about are healthy because they change the air in a very unhealthy environment. So air sealing, insulating, all of that, and this goes to uh, what we at Mosby call, you know, an energy audit or energy test, blower door, all of that. And that's because if you fix A without addressing B, so you make the house airtight, but you don't make sure the carbon monoxide is operating properly, you can cause an even bigger problem. So, you know, knowledge is powerful, powerfully good, powerfully bad. Make sure you get somebody who knows what they're doing when you're messing around with your health and your house. Uh, let's go to the phones and see what's cooking here. Talk to Rita. Rita's been very patient. Thank you for joining me, Rita. Hour two. How can I help you? Good afternoon and welcome aboard, Rita. Hello, Scott. Um, my situation involves a little more well, not the fireplace so much as the chimney. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in the process of having the crown replaced. It needed to be replaced, the concrete crown at the top. I've heard the term cap, but you know what I mean, the, mm-hmm. the top thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, I was looking at my notes here. Yeah. Um, and while the guys were up there and took it off, they could then see down into the chimney. Uh-huh. And they're now talking about, about uh, moisture building up in there, that uh, condensation. Yes. Um, and suggesting, now, of course, the, the the crown was cracked, so there was wet in there because, you know, rain and such. Right. But they were talking about condensation. My brick is in pretty good shape, and they were suggesting uh, maybe putting in some tubes to let air in and out and to airflow and such. And it was a nice piece of change, quite frankly. But we also want to maintain things. Um, Apparently, things weren't built quite as well as they could have been. The house is 33 years old, by the way. We're original owners, so we know the drill as far as what's going on. So could you just kind of generally, I realize you can't address my specific situation, but the, the situation of condensation inside the, do you know what I'm talking about? I'm guessing you do. Yeah, is this a brick fireplace masonry? Yes, yes. Yeah, and it's okay. Two-story, two I don't know if it matters. It's a two-story house with a, you uh-huh. know, it's a long chimney, but exterior, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, number one, if you have a brick or masonry fireplace, you you have built a cave. And right. a cave um, does is made of stone or stone-like materials, whether it's clay brick or other. Moisture will come through that material, whether your brick is in good shape or not. It takes about 45 seconds for water and moisture to come through a modern brick. Uh, so uh, brick getting wet and letting air 
uh, moisture through as well as brick getting dry once it stops raining and uh, exhausting that moisture is also part of it as well. So I promise you the inside of your fireplace in, ma- in a masonry fireplace, everybody listening has condensation inside their chimney. Um, it, it's part and parcel of a masonry fireplace because when you get um, moisture in stone or a cave and then you drop the temperature below the dew point which you know you see on the news on the weather uh, all every night uh, once you get cold enough that that water vapor in the air the humidity inside your chimney column uh, when it gets to a cold enough temperature uh, that moisture will condense into water droplets on the surface of that masonry or chimney liner in your case so that's rule number one it happens okay Um, Rule number two is what damage does it do? Yeah. Um, and, and is this for your wood burning fireplace or is this for your uh, furnace exhaust? No, it's just basic wood burning fireplace. Okay, for the most part, um, I would suggest, first off, the moisture happens. It will happen. Uh, If you move to Florida, there's no condensation because it never gets cold enough, but it also stays wet all the time anyway. It just won't hit droplet form. That is not a big problem. Uh, You have a clay liner, uh, clay tile, T-I-L-E, and it's basically a rectangular, a round pipe, um, that's kind of made for that. And the chimney, the joints between those tiles are important. And that's where the moisture will attack that. 33 years, eh, it's pretty young age for a masonry uh, tile liner. So I would have that chimney inspected. But as far as um, stopping the humidity, I mean, you can put blowers in. This is the same thing that happens in a wet basement or a damp basement. If you don't move the air and dry it out, it just stinks and smells and molds. Um, So the consequence, if you have a good damper and a well-balanced furnace and heating system and cooling system, it's not a real big deal here, frankly, Rita, that I can, you know, gin up. The the problem is when it starts, um, uh, when the acid starts gathering with that condensation, and that's very common with your furnace, because when you move to those high-efficiency furnaces, they cool off the flue gas that on, are you not only getting rid of the carbon monoxide, but now you're turning that flue gas into droplets of acid. So it's more of a problem in furnace, in high efficiency furnace flues than it is in a wood burning fireplace i'm i'm really not too worried at the age of 33 years you know thank you this was really helpful we're making it trying to make a decision on if we need to and um it was worth the wait i've been waiting a little bit but it was worth the wait and so uh and there you go thank you so much Read of the data, everything that you told me is true. It all is happening. The issue is, does it really matter? Eh, not that's really. That's where we were kind of on a, that's exactly where we were. And they, well, yeah. you know, stick these tubes in. That's kind of invasive. I don't know if we need it. You know, how, right. well, that's, that's why I thought, oh, Scott's on. I can call Scott. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, and the tubes work. If you want to achieve the same thing, um, you know, grab a box fan, stuff it in your firebox, open the damper, and blow the moisture out through the top of the house. That's It's akin to the same thing, but you can do that in, you know, five minutes with a $10 box fan. You know, truth be told, that occurred to me when I've been pondering all of this, not really understanding because right. it's... It's not, it's not my, certainly not expertise, obviously, but even just a, it's, 
It's yeah, difficult yeah. for me to, to grasp all this. My husband's much better at it, but he's very busy these days. I'll, and, I'll tell you uh, what. Take that money and put it, it in. Okay, well, that's... Okay, put, put that into I wasn't your... just being silly in my head. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, if you want to take that money, turn it into your furnace system that balances out your return air and your supply, then you're I going heard to... I you're ba- talking about all that, and we have... Yeah. We're not... I mean, we've had some work done on it over over the years, but... Um, what you were saying didn't seem to be like it was a problem for us. You know, I don't know for sure. When, 33 you know, the year former, uh, person that you when you got onto that topic, because I was listening carefully, like, whoa, do we have that? Um, well, your house is pretty new, Rita. So 33 years and, and 70 years are two, you know, so, oh, yeah, yeah, you have yeah, it, but yeah. you have much better than, you know, the 70 year old house. Yeah, that's why when I was hearing you, it used to seem new, but after 33 years of that, well, maybe it's not so new. It's just new to us. It doesn't seem yeah. it's still new to us. You know, yeah. that can be. All right. I well, thank you, Scott. I appreciate this. This was very, very useful. All right. Glad to help, Rita. Bye now. Take care now. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. We are off and running with some 9 out of 10 uh, building science questions here. Fireplace condensation, uh, imbalances and pressures, uh, deck and deck ledger. What are the top three things to get right if I'm getting my deck replaced? Front door, side lights, Rita now with condensation in a chimney. All this stuff is kind of, you know master's level not quite phd level of building science so anyway that's why we're together here on university of kmo scott mosby i am at your service all right back together home improvement i've got a bunch of great phone calls let's get right to them let's go to walter see what's happening walter good afternoon welcome to lunch on kmo how may i help hi yes sir i have a home in south st louis i think other people got the same problem but i got a sunroom with nine windows in it yeah. And I thought I was fixing the problem, but it's always cold in there. Yep. There's steel windows, but I had some nice windows put in, and it still gets cold. I know my mother told me a long time ago well, it's cold because there's no concrete in the basement. In the, basement. the basement doesn't go that far or something. There's no concrete below there. Well, I don't know how would I keep that from getting cold? Well, you have to heat it. Uh, Keep in mind, Walter, that even if you insulate a fabulous space, whether it's your front porch, a house, or a mason jar, if you do not add heat to it uh, equal to the loss of that container, whether it's a room or a glass jar or whatever, the source of heat, and that's why we have furnaces, our houses are built pretty well with insulation some better than others but the point is that without a fireplace in the cave without a fireplace in the sod huts uh, years ago or in the log cabins years ago every place that humans have lived and sheltered include a heat source of some sort so my premise to you is regardless of how well you insulate that porch you would ha- it, with night win- nine windows and a lot of outside walls and surfaces chimney or a roof I mean floor and then you know probably two or three walls of porch with with glass in it you need a boatload of uh, heat delivered into that room to make it comfortable yeah it's got a heater you know with the furnace and it's got a cold air duct back there 
Well, it needs probably two or three more. I'm pretty familiar with the South City porches that have one supply and one return. Truth be known is that room loses heat so fast because it's all glass and it's all masonry without insulation. And sometimes the floors are raised like you're saying. You know, you just need a ton more, probably literally a ton or ton and a half more of furnace capacity blowing only into that room. So if you, your next thing is, yes, insulate it. But if you're going to insulate it and you want it comfortable, you're going to put a supplemental uh, space heater, heat source, uh, some sort of heating in there. Okay, okay, thanks. I was wondering how much it costs, whatever. Just probably just put a little electric fan, electric, what do you call it, heater in there? Yeah, I mean, it depends how much for what. It's a boatload of money if you're going to do it during December and January, but if you're going to heat it up during March and April and turn it into a three-season room when it's 50 out and you just need to go from 50 to 70 degrees, you know, that's a space heater. Just carry it out from inside and it'll work. You just need a good, grounded, powerful electric plug. But if you're, you know, doing the dead of winter, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. So it depends what you need. Well, I tried shutting the center window, the doors, but then the, it's got double pane glass or something. It's got sure. some kind of gas in the middle. And it yeah. kind of turned colors or like frozen or whatever. Yeah, oh, but the wow. issue, Walter, you just need it. a lot more heat delivered into that room. It sounds like you got the, the, the box done right. You just need uh-huh. a heater, a lot of heater. Okay. Okay, thanks. You suggested a little heater then. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Okay, Walter. Take care, brother. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Let's see who else has been waiting. Let's get to Lisa. Hey, Lisa, Scott Mosby, how can I help you? Good morning, Scott. Got a problem with it. I'm doing all right, and I know you're fantabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Ignorance is bliss here. Lisa, what can I say? Um, Anyway, I've got a disposal. Uh that I want to just have taken out. I Wait a minute, let me stop. I've got a single sink. Uh I've got a dishwasher. Do I need to have that disposal put back in, or can I just run it straight from the washing, or the dishwasher to the the downspout, the drain type thing? Uh, Either way, I would suggest you keep the disposal because the food that comes off of your dishes uh, that gets pumped through that dishwasher when it drains, uh, there are solid food particles that come off those dishes, and that's why it typically goes into a disposal because then, you know, a day later when you turn the garbage disposal on, you grind up and exhaust that, you know, so you chew it all up into smaller pieces and down the drain it goes. So you can do it into a drain, but it will eventually in four or five years cause drain uh, drainage problems because you're putting big chunks of food down the drain as opposed to putting it into a disposal the garbage disposal has a little knob on the side that uh, when your dishwasher is installed they just knock out the little knockout and hook up the hose and you're good to go so you can do it either way but I advise it better with a disposal okay well that's all I needed to know I should have some work somebody coming out next week hopefully to fix it yeah, ask them that question when they put it in and uh, see if their answer matches mine. You'll kind of get a sense of, uh, you know, how far up and down the food chain they are of knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Thank you much. All right, Miss Lisa. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
All right, let's see what else we've got. Sneak one more in here. Boy, I'm just loving this. Let's see what... How about Ken? There we go. Hey, Mr. Ken, how can you do, buddy? Good Good afternoon. How can I help? Hey, uh, I was wondering how to take the bounce out of uh, floors. My Stop house, walking on it. <laughs> maybe, oh, sorry. Maybe, maybe lose weight. <laughs> oh, I'm not going there, man. <laughs> but my house was probably built in 95. Okay. And it's... Uh, it's got pre-engineered floor joists uh-huh. that are only nine inches tall, and maybe yeah. uh, the bottom and the top are about two inches wide. Yeah, I know what you're talking and it's, about. It's a thirty-inch span, thirty-foot yeah. span. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, they are designed to bounce, frankly. Um, really. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's called deflection, and every structure, whether it is a whether it's Bush Stadium, uh, whether it is a concrete bridge going across the Mississippi, uh, or a floor joist, um, or a golf cart bridge at a golf course, every one of those structural bridges has an allowable amount of deflection or bounce. Uh, Literally, when you hear about the arch, the top of the arch in downtown St. Louis sways six inches in both directions, that's the allowable design deflection even in that enormously strong structure. So by going out to a 30-foot span with that engineered floor system, that was an economizing way to get um, the floor. But with that much span, um, it is designed to deflect or bounce a certain amount, which when you get the dining room uh, china in that cabinet, boy, howdy, you're talking about some real talkative uh, china. So you need a support down below. You need to cut that 30-foot span in half with kind of a beam and temporary columns. It doesn't take a whole lot of structure because you're not holding anything up. You're just trying to take the bounce out of it. So yeah, you just... You, you just need it a little better. There, There is a wooden beam probably uh, close to being in the middle that runs all the way across. It's probably okay. uh, two by eight, three two by eights together that runs the whole length of the house. Okay, okay. Well, I would propose you probably have 19.2-inch centers, so these things are further apart. So you have not only the plywood or OSB bouncing or deflecting between those floor joists, you also have the floor joist system bouncing. I'm going to say that for you to stop that bounce, you're going to have to cut both of those spans. So where your wood is in the center and your foundation's on the end, you're going to have to put support beams to bounce, to, 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 um, limit the amount of deflection uh, in both of those. You follow me? Yes. Like uh, like in the uh, close to the hallway where the uh, um, walls of the rooms meet up to the ceiling, yeah. sometimes that'll even separate a little bit. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's because your roof uh, structure is independent of your floor. Uh, and I would also offer... It's not always the floor system. There's a thing called truss lift, T-R-U-S-S-L-I-F-T, that during some pretty nasty, hot and cold winters, your truss roof system, the ceiling actually goes up instead of the floor going down, causing that gap. Welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It it does what? No, things don't go up. It goes down. Come on, Scott. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I just thought maybe back in '95 that uh, the specs for the floor joists are different than they are now, where they might be a little stronger and maybe a little sturdier than they are now, or something. 
Well, in trying to economize and limit the amount of wood as well as improve the energy savings, we started jiggering with a whole bunch of stuff. So, you know, that's where the engineered floor systems, engineered floor systems can be as strong or stronger and solid, more solid than regular lumber when they're designed for it. So it's the designer that bounced your floor, not the wood trusses. <laughs> that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. There's not much I can do with tried to put another uh, beam all the way across between the, the foundation and the uh, main beam that's in there. Yeah, it's just kind of a simple thing, and it's not a real structural beam. It's just a, you know, a prop to keep it from bouncing, you know, and, and most commonly we'll have people just go down and say, well, just put a couple of two-by-fours underneath the dining room china cabinet and you'll stop that, you know, so you can pick where you want that st- support or strengthening to occur. All right, thank you. You have a good day. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for a good question again. Appreciate it. Boy, we've got some cool stuff going on today. Uh, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, CamoX. We've got some good things. I'm going to take a short pause and come back for more on University of CamoX. All right, back together, Home Improvement. We are spending more time at home. Of course, beware anybody knocking on your door or calling you, texting you, saying you're in trouble. Something needs to change and you need to act right now. The only act right now you have to do is call the police or call the number, ask them for an identifying badge. Sometimes those are fake. Please beware. Uh, We in the Midwest are some, uh, by fact, by statistics, we are the most generous um, people that give to charities in the country uh, by percentage so we're an easy mark so where you and I live we're the targets the older you are I noticed uh, you know the older you are you wind up being the targets like oh well we'll we'll try them first they'll be an easy mark so beware slow down Call somebody you know and trust and find out what's cooking because uh, it, it matters. There's nobody that's going to do anything from any authority that needs something, especially money, or you to click on something right now. Call KMOX. I'll bet anybody on the air. You want a question, 314-436-7900. You call somebody on the air night or day, anytime, and they'll answer that question. I'll bet they'll say, don't do it. So anyway, let's go to the phone lines and see who we can do it with with my friend Tom. Hey, Tom, good afternoon. Welcome. Thanks for uh, holding. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Thanks a lot for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, we moved into a new house about six and a half years ago, and uh, I'm, I'm about as handy as, uh, uh, well, not handy at all. Anyway, uh, they were they, the builder said, well, make sure you seal your driveway and all that, and otherwise anything happens, is you know, it's on you. So... I went to the local store up here, and I wasn't 100%. I knew nothing about what type of siding, I mean, uh, sealer or whatever to use. Mm-hmm. So the guy said, use this. And he said, um, since it hasn't been sealed before, this could last up to 10 years. And every time I said, I mentioned it to somebody else, they go, no, he's full of wind. So uh, I don't know what type to use and if it's time to do it again or if I already, it's too late. Well, I mean, I waited too long or... Can you help me out with that, please? No, nah, I mean, I'm going to crude this up a little bit. It's just like t- waiting too long to take a shower. You, you just need to get her done. Um, so when you sealed the driveway, um, under perfect conditions, if you're not in the sunlight, if you're not going through winter and you're not going through summer, some of these products can last five and ten years. So the product performance is different than the application life. So, uh, for example, um, 
you know, your coat is quite good and protects you really good. But if you get shot into outer space and you're out in, you know, in outer space, you're going to fry instantly because, you know, of the environment. Likewise, your sealer, uh, it may have a a life product life of 10 years. It's only going to last about three years in good old St. Louis because of our thermal swing. We have literal Fahrenheit temperatures that are 13 below zero, zero, you know, 40 degrees up warmer to freezing temperatures, and then we go to 115, 116, then you put the sunlight on it, the ultraviolet light and that radiation solar gain, you're going to cook up that sealer really quick, like frying an egg. So about every three years, uh, I advocate you wash your driveway, let it dry, and then reapply a sealer. Uh, What that does is it keeps any stains from, you know, in my world, it's oak leaves and bird droppings that make... uh, you know, what the Native Americans thought were uh, pigments for their paint. Well, those birds are helping me paint my driveway, so I want my sealer to be on there to protect that, keep the salt and the corrosion up at the surface instead of soaking in and attacking that concrete. So three years. So what about, aren't, are there different types? Aren't there different types of it, though? Yeah, but even a bad sealing job is better than no sealing job, you know. Um, so I, I honor that you put something on, but primarily, um, like anything else, um, supply is a big deal. It's important to buy from somebody that really understands that and keep asking dumb questions until you get a sense of what you're doing. Um, but for the most part, I'm going to say here, Tom, you did pretty well because they're really two big uh types of sealer or maybe three there's an acrylic which is a water-based those are mostly professionally applied Uh, then you've got the silicone based which is kind of a silicone you know just like your wd-40 stuff it's a slickum almost a teflon product it lasts about three or four years it is available in two different concentrations i'll tell you a little bit about that and then you've got your acrylic which is also a water applied, but it's kind of like your clear kitchen floor wax. Remember that clear, never yellow, remember that? Sure. That's the acrylic wet look, which is shiny, which I don't advocate. If you have a pebble, an exposed aggregate driveway, if you have a beautiful driveway with the look of stones, that's the product that goes on. But if you're just doing regular old white concrete or pavers, or you know anything like that, or even stone, uh, your typical silicone type uh, uh, sealer, and the ones you buy at the big box stores, you know, are, are typically a little easier to apply. They don't perform as well. When you get into silicone, you've got uh, two percentages. One's kind of a there's a 20 and a 40, and when I mean 20 and 40, it's 0.020, uh, so two percent. Uh, or 0.0404%, the 4% looks like tea. The drink, you know, it it has color, so if you're putting it on a white concrete, you're going to turn that concrete kind of orange or a little dirty. Uh, So typically driveways usually get the 020 product. Uh, Those are distributed usually through the wholesale houses. Um, And those are, anyway, my point is, is even a bad sealer is better than no sealer. Gotcha. Yeah, now, so what's I, weird is, I guess I can't worry about this. The sides of the driveway are those ex- exposed, rock, you know, stones. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they the are? middle of it's not. <laughs> oh, well, then you have two different kinds of sealer. 
There you go. Yeah. Right. So it's yeah. it's kind of like if you have stone and wood on the house, you 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 coat them or paint them with different products. Well, think about that. So you've got an acrylic wet look, and it goes on like you know it's it's got some thickness viscosity to it, and then the silicone stuff goes on kind of like water, and it's very thin. Um, and uh, if you get any of that silicone on those stones, that acrylic shiny stuff won't stick because it's then a you know it's silicone. It, you know, just like a Teflon plate. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. Thanks very much. Okay, Tom. There are a lot of pros that can do this for you, but this is also something. And, and keep in mind, like putting deodorant on, make sure you take a shower first, then put on the seal. So, I mean, you want to wash that driveway, let it dry, and then put on whatever sealer you want. And Shortcuts don't work. <laughs> Just dry overnight, you thinking? Right. Uh, it No, you need to let it really dry two or three days, good sun baking. And this time of year, it's really, really hard to get concrete really dry. The silicone can go on, uh, you know, after a day or two. But that acrylic stuff, be very careful with because if you trap moisture in there or you seal that concrete before it's really dry, it will fog and it'll turn to, you know, I mean, just like a a, a a window fogged and condensed where you just can't see through it and you'll destroy the beauty of that and have to strip that stuff off. So uh, thus my comment back to the pros. <laughs> so just let it go. Um, maybe make wait till it gets a little warmer out to do it. Yeah, you know, unless you're a professional and you know and you can measure the moisture content in that concrete, then you can do it this time of year. But for you and me just kind of getting out there doing our driveway, July's a wonderful time, August, September, those dry months when, you know, when we're spitting dust. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks very much. All right, Tom, thanks for the call. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, let's see what's cooking here. Next up, let's go to, uh, how about Ray? Hey, Ray, Scott Mosby here. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Uh, we're going to be getting bids on a new driveway, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know what's used now to go between the slabs anymore. It used to be that blackboard, and then with the wood. I don't know what else is available or what needs to be done, and how thick should the concrete be? Uh, concrete depends on what you're driving on it. For example, uh, traditional driveways in the first 15 or 20 feet, uh, some cities require that concrete to be six inches thick and put a whole bunch of reinforcing in it because big delivery trucks turn around in your driveway. So typically the first 15, 20 feet is going to be much stronger than the rest of the driveway where your car is about the only thing that goes up and down. Uh, if you have a big uh, truck or, you know, maybe a camp or something that's heavier, you might want a thicker dr- driveway. But it's not always thickness. The typical thickness of a driveway is about four inches for a residential driveway plus the steel insulation inside right. of it, mm-hmm. the front uh, apron, as you call it, where other trucks turn around, that usually gets five or six inches, but really four inches on the general drive. Okay. And uh, what goes between the the slabs? Eventually, it's going to be caulked. So whether you put wood in, plastic, or that uh, asphaltic expansion joint, sooner or later, all that stuff chips. And 20 years later, somebody's going to remove it all out because it all has a life. And then Mm -hmm. you put the caulk back in. So uh, frankly, it doesn't matter. You're going to have two different kinds anyway. The wood is typically beautiful when it goes in. 15 years later, you take it out and put something else in. Uh, Most of the driveway cleaner and sealer guys do that sealing caulking service. And the way to do it is we put the caulk in between the joints and then put dry sand on it to match the color of the Mm -hmm. concrete. So 
Okay. Yeah. So either the blackboard or wood is fine. Uh, I would avoid the wood, frankly. You pay a premium, oh. and you don't really get anything but higher maintenance costs. Okay. So just the blackboard is fine. Or you said you put they put plastic between them? Yeah, they put a zip strip. So if you have a really nice, say, uh, swimming pool or patio, uh, sometimes those expansion joints are drainage troughs, and they have little holes in them. And the zip strip is you go ahead and finish the concrete, and then when the concrete's all finished, you take this piece of tape and you just pull that zip strip off, and you have this perfect, white, beautiful uh, expansion plastic thing. Mm-hmm. But those then, after the sun cooks them down for 10, 20 years, they just fall apart too. Right, right. So the purpose of the of the piece in there is for the expansion and contraction of the uh, of the concrete slabs. Yes, that 120 degree thermal swing I was talking about. Those slabs right. do get much bigger. Right. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thanks, Ray. Take care. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Take a short break for more, and we'll be right back. Scott Mosby, so pleased to be here with you. News flash: We have Monday and Tuesday, 67 degrees. No, I didn't stutter. Yeah, it's a real springtime feel right here in the middle of the country. Let's go to the phone, see what's happening with my friend Laura. Laura, good afternoon. How can I help? Hi. We purchased a house about an hour south of St. Louis on a small lake property, and the previous owners were heavy smokers. We had a mold test done. There was a tiny bit of mold, so we totally um, gutted the finished basement. Mm -hmm. One thing led to another. We've now gutted upstairs except for the framing of the walls. Um, The existing insulation was R11, added a little bit more, put plastic over it. I'm now wondering two things. One, is the rock wool sound barrier worth the money if you're concerned to have guests and soundproof? Okay. Yes. Yeah, because it's only a little bit more. Fiberglass is good, you know, but fiber, the first little bit is going to make a big difference. But rock wool is more dense, so it's a better choice for soundproofing. And then as far as the interior walls between the bedrooms and everything, that is rock, that wool. Rock wool again. Okay. And then in the basement, we'll, mm-hmm. it's not framed yet, so we'll be adding insulation. What R factor do you recommend for that? Uh, at least an R5. Typically do something instead of nothing. Uh, spray foam is important or rigid foam. Depends on how humid it is. If you have moisture down there and tape up clear plastic, either Ziploc bag or polyethylene something, four sides with tape. If in two days you have water droplets, then you need rigid foam insulation for wet application. Okay, good to know. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Laura. Take care. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, stay tuned, retire ready here on KMOX. I am truly pleased to be with you and enjoy my two hours every Saturday. I'll see you next week. Stay tuned, retire ready here on KMOX. And remember, we've got your back. We are KMOX with a live, fully staffed newsroom right here for you on University of KMOX.